0: And welcome to another edition of the Standig Room Only podcast. Yes, I am your host Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington football team for the Athletic. Happy Friday, everybody! Apologies for the for the delay here um, on the on this episode of the podcast. Um, it's just been one of those weeks, I guess I would just say. And you know, when you come before a microphone, I think you want to be. You know, when I when I'm writing, I, I can edit myself a lot. Um, if, if as needed, if I don't like what I'm doing, I'm not feeling it, I'm, I'm in a mood, whatever it is, you can't really do that as much here. I'm going to speak and whatever is going to come out of my mouth, you know, you can't edit out, you can edit out some ums and coughs, but you can't edit out uh, tone and thought. So um, or at least not 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 effectively. So I um, wanted to make sure I was in a good space to come talk to you guys. And here we are. Um, I'm excited to get to, get, get to this uh, as Washington prepares for its first road game of the year. Taylor Heineke's first career road start at Buffalo on Sunday. I will be there for the Athletic. So uh, excited for that all to go down on this episode. Things we'll just discuss. Just sort of, you know, a couple things about where Washington is right now. What are the keys to this this game? Um, Mention Taylor Heineke's first um, outing. Um, we'll get to some some changes internally with the organization and a lot of, I'll, I'll, and and I will play I'll replay my interview with uh from earlier this year with Bill's GM Brandon bean and a lot of people have been hitting me up about the athletics new uh wizards job well not new the wizards job at the athletic is now open because my guy Fred Katz announced this week that he's leaving to go take the same position with to cover the New York Knicks uh Fred and I did a whole discussion on his Wizards After Dark po- podcast, which is now ending, um, which I have had a lot of fun doing over the last uh, couple of years. And uh, anyway, people keep asking me if I'm going to take that job or what's the deal with that job, and I thought I would explain to you guys what I what I could say about that. So um, I, I, will, I will get to that here at, towards the end, and I will just note that Ron Rivera is talking to the media in about a 90 minutes or so. If he says anything of note, I will tack that on to the end of this podcast. But at the moment, I don't know of anything. There's no real injury reports. Um, to note, Antonio Gibson practiced in full on Thursday. They're not, they're not actually practicing today on Friday. It was a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday kind of a week. So whatever updates we're going to get are going to be estimations. So uh, Gibson was in full. Matt Ionitis was limited with a knee issue. Um, anyway, before we get to all that, uh, just a quick couple of quick reminders. You can, of course, always find this podcast on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere else. You do your podcasting. And, of course, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic um, to read all my stuff. This week, I had a big uh, profile of Taylor Heineke's off-season workout program. The guy had, you know, the I spoke with the team that has been with him for years that helps him get ready all the time. But this year, they had a special mission. Now that once that Tampa Bay game, first they had to help him stay focused ahead of that Tampa Bay game, ahead of Washington calling to say, hey, we are interested in you because at that point he's admitted it looked like his career was perhaps uh, over. Instead, he obviously strikes, uh, has a great game against the Bucks, but he gets hurt in the game and that's been the bugaboo for him is how does he stay healthy? And this group was tasked with helping him figure out how to do that. And that's what uh, the the, the genesis of this, um, or I should say the basis of this profile is all about. Hope everybody can check that out over on The Athletic. And obviously, I also wrote about Terry McLaurin this week. I didn't, I don't think this was a controversial take, but among the things I wrote about how without Fitzpatrick and Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin has had to, to continue to produce. He obviously had a huge game against the Giants. And I think... Case there's a case that he is Washington's most complete wide receiver this century, with all due respect to Santana Moss and Pierre Garcon. I think the answer is Terry McLaurin, um, <clears throat> or at least I mean, look, you know, Santana Moss is obviously incredibly quick, tougher than his size, Would imagine he could play inside and in played inside in the slot. Uh, he was a big time producer, and just like you know, when we talk about there's all these quarterback changes for McLaurin, there's now been 10 different, I think, quarterback changes since. He has been, uh, since he joined the team, but when we talk about that's 31 starting quarterback since Mark Rippon left in 1993, Santana Moss went through that too. So did Pierre Garcon. So I'm not suggesting that it's only a Terry McLaurin type thing, though. At least Garcon, I guess you could say had Kirk Cousins for the most part and, and the good and the good part of Robert Griffin, the third, um, I should say that, 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 that first year in particular, uh, but I just think McLaurin, with his with his route running, his speed, and it's also some of the other things, the leadership comp- components, um, he just gets better and better. And, uh, and I just couldn't be, you know, I, I just think he's wildly impressive. And I, obviously, I'm extrapolating a bit. I mean, he's only played, you know, he hasn't even played two full NFL seasons. This will be his 32nd game against Buffalo. So there's a ways to go um, and, you know, I, you know, knock on wood, things go, go arrive. And obviously, um, you know, what I just said is not going to, is false. But in terms of where he's at right now and projecting a bit based on, you know, what we've seen, I think that to me is, is the clear answer. So if you got thoughts on that, you can hit me up on Twitter at Ben Standig or email me, bstandig at theathletic.com on this topic or any topics, of course. Um, so obviously, I think the big story for Washington going into this week, it's a matter of two struggling aspects for each team whether and, and and does facing the other one allow the one side struggles to get fixed or not for Washington it's obviously the defense now it's not to say that the defense has been completely a mess. Ron Rivera and, and Chase Young and others have talked about it. it's just the little things that they need to work on. And that's all true. Or I shouldn't say it's all true. That's what they're that's what they're saying, at least. And, you know, Rivera's focused on d- the discipline that that's lacking at times. Uh, I wrote this week or I should say I wrote at the end of last week with regards to the um, uh, Daniel Jones RPOs and, and, and what I could see on film about where, where Washington was sort of escaping themselves uh a a bit or escaping themselves is that right what i mean um (laughs) i guess what i was saying is that they were leaving their they were leaving their responsibilities guys were were were, you know defensive ends or others were jumping inside too much on these fake handoffs um and and not holding firm on their gap i mean look this is the, the point of an rpo or any type of play fake you know is to um create confusion right so i mean you got you got to give the offense credit for doing their part. And Daniel Jones obviously did a lot of good things in that game that Washington did eke out, but gave up 29 points and, you know, probably should have been more. The giants had a couple of opportunities there to, to find the end zone and had to settle for field goals. Um, but on the flip side, Buffalo's offense has been struggling. I mean, yes, they did win 35, nothing in week two against Miami, but it was hardly some type of, um, some, hardly some type of, um, um, offensive juggernauty type performance Josh Allen just completed less than 60% of his passes in both games um, this was his big bugaboo coming out of college could Josh Allen be accurate and that's one of those statistics that to me is always tricky that I always feel like if you you kind of are who you are I'm like to believe that we can all improve but accuracy with quarterbacks to me is is one where you know um, you know you can do something or, or, or you can't and he showed incredible development last year um, shocking development on some level but he's kind of reverted a bit. He talked this week um to 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 Buffalo reporters saying it's about finding a rhythm for him. And uh, Ron Rivera has pointed out that the um they opposite they need to prevent him from getting into a rhythm. That Josh Allen, he's not a guy like you know, he's he's going to you're more scared of his arm throwing the deep ball than anything else, but he does he can run. And, you know, I'm sure Buffalo is going to put some RPOs into their um, game plan because they saw what, what how Washington has struggled, not just against Daniel Jones, but, you know, at other times as well. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I, the, the game plan for Washington, I, I always look at it like this when it comes to and we, at regular season game plans. And this is why it's always... You, you, you know, when you see sometimes where people talk about why does a guy sh- sh- thrive in the regular season and come up short in the postseason, sometimes it's the player can't deal with the pressure. I think that's pretty apparent uh, for, for some people, but other times it's this. There's not many teams and coaches and coordinators who completely revamp a game plan each week for the opponent, I'm not saying that you don't try different things. You don't put use more nickel coverage uh, versus uh, more base defense if you if this uh, if the other team is you know gonna have three receivers on the field a lot, or you're not you know switching some of your personnel because you think it's a better matchup. But in terms of a pure overhaul, other than like Bill Belichick, there's not many teams that are doing that. But when you get to the playoffs, it is a throw the kitchen sink type situation at the you know, and and, and that's why teams are more apt to do that. So I don't think Washington is going to completely revamp everything that they do here to deal with Josh Allen. They just have to do better at what they do. And obviously, a lot of that comes from Chase Young and Montez Sweat getting after Josh Allen, keeping him uncomfortable rather than him finding a rhythm. Um, you know, we talk about, you know, how how Washington has struggled. Um, you know, defensive line hasn't been as robust as, 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 as expectations. I mean, look, they are seventh in pass rush percentage per drop back at 27.6. That's according to Pro Football Reference. Um, Montez Sweat has seven pressures and two sacks. Chase Young has four pressures, no sacks. Uh, John Allen, of course, has three sacks. The, the The individual sack holders are less important to me. The pressures are good. But it obviously has not, at the same point, has not felt like this group has been dominant. It's not enough just to be have some decent, decent statistics and occasionally show up at times. It's it's a consistent play-in, play-out. And, you know, that's been a struggle for this group so far and obviously this is a good chance to get to turn that around I mean a good chance it's the next game (laughs) that's what I mean you're dealing with the AFC runners up last year you're dealing with Josh Allen a guy who was second in the MVP voting last year you're dealing with the defense that did shut out Miami 35 nothing I know Tua Tunga Viola was injured during the game but regardless you know Jacoby Brissett's pretty good or you know pretty solid and um you know, they, they they stifled them and they're they really good. They're a team that a lot of people thought could win the Super Bowl this year. So um, this is a big challenge. We'll have to see how that goes. But obviously keeping Josh Allen um, off kilter, considering he's already had some struggles, is going to be huge, I think, for this defense. If he gets on track, then this could be a long day. And then we'll have different conversations about Washington's defense next week. Um, as far as Taylor Heineke goes, I won't get into him too much here. I wrote about him a ton this week. I feel like he's been in my brain a lot. Um, But this is his first road start. Um, This is the first time this season, at least, where, um, or really since he's been in Washington, that a team has had a full week to prepare for him. Obviously, the Giants were doing it on a short week. And that's one of the interesting things with Heineke in general, right? Is his, um, um, uh, he's he still remains a bit of an unknown he doesn't have a lot of work on tape at all obviously Um, teams are still trying to figure him figure him out and I'm sure on some level so are Washington coaches I know Scott Turner knows Heineke for a long time and feels pretty comfortable with him but you know people evolve and, and you know what works what works in this moment against this team at that in this spot and and that's part of what um, they have to to figure out, but this is a you know. I'm not going to say this is going to be the, a defining game for Taylor Heineke, but it will go a long way, I think, towards you know further crystallizing any impressions on him. Um, you know, he's he's obviously continued to to impress so far, but you know, that's we'll see where where this story goes. And just to be clear, like I'm really over. The idea, the question of, you know, is he the long-term answer or not? I don't know. And guess what? Neither does anybody. I was thinking about this the other day. I never wrote about it, but, you know, obviously this last 18 months, 19 months, whatever this has been for us has been trying for everybody. And, uh, you know, everybody's had to deal with it in different ways. Some people have had a a, a much harder time than others, whether that's um, medically, uh, their employment, their housing, relatives, isolation. That's been a tough one for me. Uh, whatever it's been, everybody's had to go through something here. Right. Um, you got kids that, you know, th- th- there's a lot going on. And I know for me, at least, especially last calendar year, I really tried to kind of look at the situation and think to myself, like, what are we doing with here? You know, what, what, what are we, <laughs> what, what, what do I take away from this? You know, th- th- this is as, as terrible as the situation was. This was an opportunity to, to slow down, to be with myself, to be with my thoughts, to figure out what's important, what matters, try to learn something. And I guess like on some basic level for me, it was always, it was a lot about trying to live in the moment, Um, trying to be in the present, right? Trying to not worry about the things I can and can't, I can't control. And these are not easy things. And that's honestly part of my issue this week has been sort of sliding back a bit on some of those matters. And I mentioned all this not to um, get on the couch here with you guys and, and, and lay out all my problems, though that may come here in a few minutes when I get to the wizard situation. Um, it's to note that this is why I think one of the reasons why I think people really connect with Taylor Heineke because Taylor Heineke is a live in the moment type of guy. He plays like that. You can feel the emotion from him. You can feel he 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 is very relatable. And I think when you look at the recent quarterbacks around here, Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith in particular. I'm not saying Taylor Heineke is as good as those guys at all, but I am saying that from a relatability standpoint, there's far more connection with him than those guys. Those two guys, you know, as somebody who deals with them at a press conference, but also obviously just you know is observing them just like everybody else, you know, it often felt like I was either dealing cousins. It felt like I was dealing with a politician a lot. Smith, it was just he just purposely kind of kept things at a distance. All this recent Alex Smith media blitz that's gone on, that wasn't we weren't getting that Alex Smith. Got a little bit of it, I guess, post-injury post, post injury when he came back. But for the most part, you know, he was very business-like, which I'm not saying is the wrong thing. I'm just saying he checked his emotions at the door and didn't really let us in much at all. Taylor Heineke, on the other hand, does. I think on some level beyond whether he's the best quarterback for this team now or going forward, I think he's a really good, fun quarterback to have going through the, going through the transition that we're all going through. I think this is a really important... Uh, I, I think this is at least something to note when it comes to this connection with Heineke and um, you know, I, 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 I just think that's part of what's going on here. And I am intrigued by that perspective because you know, it is interesting to have somebody in your space at all times who is trying to, who, who is living his life the way you're trying to in a certain way. I'm not saying I want to uh do the things he does. I'm just saying, you know, be in the moment. He is definitely of that. And that's why he wasn't, I, you know, I think that's why he wasn't, um, he didn't come up short against Tampa Bay and he has lived up to these challenges. He is in the present. He isn't overthinking. And I, I aspire to that, uh, <laughs> very much, uh, for, for sure. Um, just a couple other quick things here with regards to this team. All right. So, um, a couple of changes internally with what, with this organization, uh, on Thursday on the Jason Wright side of the building, um, two departures um, most notably julie jensen is stepping down from her role as senior vice president of external engagement and communications and you may think well i mean i don't even know what any of that really means and, and that's fine doesn't <laughs> it's fine basically she was serving you know I, i'm sure externally in terms of what we as the media were dealing with she was basically uh the, the point person for jason wright and she was part of the um name change uh, committee you know a small group of people that were help, they're helping work through that when I when I worked on my story um on the name change story for the athletic she was somebody that I that I uh spoke with to for to, you know get some information things along, along those lines um and she's stepping down and what's notable here is she only came on board 11 months ago I mean Jason Wright has only been here for like 13 months she was one of the first big hires there and she said uh, she's leaving to pursue outside opportunities. It doesn't seem like it's a any type of um, fallout or anything along those lines. I think, um, but it is notable because we've been kind of waiting to see, you know, what would happen. You know, nobody, nothing ever, nothing ever lasts here for too long. And this isn't to suggest that whatever Jason Wright is doing is not working. It is just to say we're always wondering what else is what is going on in this building and and in changes. Happen, right. I mean, look, changes happen in all kinds of businesses. Mine is, you know, the athletic as well. But, you know, th- my job is to cover the Washington football team. And um, Julie leaving within inside of a year, 11 months is is interesting. Right. Um, another person left chief partnership officer, Scott Shepard. He had been with the organization off and on since tw- 2008. Um, but he uh, he is moving on. There were some other uh, internal job title changes that uh, I wrote. I mentioned in the athletic, you can read there, but anyway, I just think it's notable that I mean, Julie was leaving. She is, you know, a lot of the people that Jason Wright has hired from a resume standpoint, I haven't met a lot of them, but I have met with some of them. Um, they all seem to be pretty professional, pretty, uh, uh, you know, pretty good at, I don't, I can again, I can't say pretty good at their job, although I guess in Julie's case, she was pretty helpful and, 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 and seemed pretty professional from, from my dealings with her. Um, and I think other reporters as well. Um, so it's interesting just to see, um, what's going on over there. I'm not going to make a big deal about it beyond that, but just wanted to make that note, um, uh, because she is one of the people who has been out front. Uh, a lot of these internal people are people I've, I haven't even, you know, I haven't even met, right. Or you guys will never know about and don't care about, which I get, but I just thought this was notable. She was the point person for Jason Wright and she is moving on, um, I'll, I'll get to the Brandon Bean interview in just uh, a second. But uh, just lastly here with regards to the Washington Wizards situation here at the Athletic. Um, I, uh, I've i gotten a lot of people asking me about this because a lot of people know that the Wizards job is the job that I always wanted uh, to to have. Or, or at least the team that I uh, was more intrigued to cover the most when I got into this um media world it's almost hard for me to even pinpoint my timeline of of, of things but I, it was uh late the late 2000s but really in earnest about 2010 uh, maybe a little bit before that um and you know the covering the washington football team i've tried to explain this to various uh people who who who, who like to dabble when covering the wizards bloggers or, or others that those people don't really exist on the football team side. It is it is a much more limited group of people who cover the team on any day to day basis. It expands on game day a bit, but not really. There's no real, you know, you know, the standard blog sites are not really represented there. But it wizards, it is a more open. Group Now, when I first started doing that, I was helping out the Associated Press a lot, and then I got in with NBC Sports Washington. So for the most part, I was always there under some sort of more uh, known, come under a more known umbrella, uh, media umbrella. Um, but anyway, my point is that that's got nothing to really do with anything. My point is that there were just more opportunities to sort of be around the Wizards. And as you know, I said before, I grew up here. I grew up rooting for all these teams. I'm definitely, uh, you know, th- I grew up rooting for the fo- for, for the. Washington Redskins. I grew up reading for the Washington Bullets, but then they became the Wizards, and so on. And uh, you know, I've checked emotions at the door a long time ago, but I really did enjoy covering the Wizards, and because the opportunities were there, that became where I felt more entrenched, more confident um, as somebody who was trying to figure this out. Whereas, like whenever I would, whenever I would go cover the football side, you know, I always felt kind of was like I was, you know, uh, I don't know, like a little bit of a third wheel you know uh so to speak and never really felt that com- comfortable and confident being out there that this is, goes to back to my trying to not overthink and be in the moment and and and, and these things i still backslide on uh more far more often than i'd care to admit although i guess i'm just admitting that um in any event so i worked through the ranks at, at there I, I was at nbc sports washington at various times i was on the you know, on the wizards team covering games. There was a couple of uh, sort of more like permanent freelance jobs. I had where I was the reporter on the beat for the wizards. I went to basically all the, all the home practices and all the home games did for years and years. And, you know, this was the opportunity that I saw when we did the sports capital. Um, you know, uh, I was, the, we all sort of contributed on the football's team. I mean, but the wizards are more of my domain to largely. And, um, you know when the athletic showed up like you know this is a fun conversation for another time and maybe I've even discussed it a bit but like the athletic was struggling you know the athletic's model essentially was to to bring in um to 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 raid the local newspapers and bring those people into the fold they couldn't do that at the washington post the washington post is pretty powerful they're not they're not fading away the way a lot of local newspapers are and so based on that the athletic had to seek look, look elsewhere for, for people and obviously they they did largely do that. Uh, the I was interested in the wizard job. Not going to lie, they ultimately gave it to some guy I didn't really know, Fred Katz, and I was like, really? This guy? <laughs> I don't know who this guy is, but okay. But I heard some good things about Fred, and you know, it wasn't too long before being around him that I was you know w- wildly impressed by his his, his creativity, his writing, his passion. He's a, he's a super, Fred's a super nice guy. And obviously if you listen to us, you know, a couple of times he's been on this podcast, but I've been on you know, his, I did his podcast effectively serving almost as his co-host for the last season. Uh, you know, we had a lot of fun and a lot of great chemistry and I really enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed it. But when the opportunity, like I, I mean, I guess just to be honest, like I had an opportunity to join the athletic when we when the sports capital was um, being, wooed by NBC Sports Washington. Obviously, the three of us, if you know our backstory, we all went to NBC Sports Washington. And I um, uh, decided to go that route in part because that was going to be, I was going to be, my impression was I was going to be more upfront on the Wizards. Um, whereas with The Athletic, it was just, I don't know. Didn't really know what the what the story would, would be. Um, so, I did that, and because, like I said, I really wanted to cover the Wizards, I felt like I had already put in a lot of time and energy and effort into into that team, and, you know, I think I did some good things while I was there at NBC Sports Washington, but that situation was not, to me, ultimately, it did not play out the way it was presented to me. I don't know if my other two colleagues at the Sports Capital, I think their their journeys were a little bit smoother, mine was, was not, and... It got to a point where the, um, management there, because we had a couple, we had, we we had a a couple of people covering the Wizards and they were trying to expand in different ways and different coverages. NBC Sports Washington changes their view of what they do at all times. It is what one day it's this, the next day it's that it is among the reasons why they are in a position where they are now, where more or less, they don't really even have sports on television other than when they broadcast a Wizards or a Caps game, um, You know, I mean, I don't know what else to say about that front. But the point is that they decided they wanted to cover the Ravens and the Orioles a bit more. And one way they thought to do it was to have me go do that. And I was uh, offended. Um, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. They they were asking me to do something that from a a lifestyle perspective was just preposterous. I don't live anywhere near Baltimore. To cover, like, I don't know how to cover a team without covering the team. By that, I mean full out. I mean, you guys see what I... uh, do here if you've been following me for a while like i mean i'm not claiming i'm the hardest worker by any stretch but like if you're going to cover a team you got to do it you got to be at the events right you got to go to practices you got to be at games you got to talk to people they got to know who you are and see you and i don't live in baltimore and i was and the way they were describing the situation they wanted it was basically a job that they wanted to give to a um you know a 22 year old and decided instead to give it to me and i told them no (laughs) i said i was not interested in in doing that. And soon thereafter, I, I, I started to, to see what else I could figure out here. And that's when the athletic situation um, on this beat that I'm on with the Washington football team um, opened up. And I was, you know, as I said, it's not like I didn't want to cover the football team. It's just I had more, you know, I had put in more time and effort over here. And therefore, um, that's what I did. But once I got here, I mean, obviously, I've kind of gone full in on this and have tried to do the best I can lots of always room for improvement there is no argument about that but um this and so it's funny anyway i guess the point is it's now been you know 2019 is when i when i came to the athletic and i very much um have enjoyed my time with the company and they've given me the opportunity to pursue this uh pursue this um role as, as I, as I see fit for the most part. And I've really appreciated that, that, uh, that trust and that, that opportunity. Um, so to be clear, nobody has offered me the wizard's job <laughs> by any stretch. It, it has not come up in conversation, but I've also made it pretty clear. I was not interested in doing it. And so when people keep saying to me, Hey, is not this the job you always wanted? I, I'm just like, you know, um, it, it might've been at one point, But it's not now. So I don't know. We'll see. They're going to fill the position, I know. Don't ask me about um, getting you a job there. I mean, you know, it's not one of those things where I can just tell you what to do, okay? And if you don't even know me, I really don't know what to tell you. But um, (laughs) anyway, uh, because people have asked me about that as well. Um, It's an interesting job. I'm excited to see who fills it. Um, in in another iteration of my life, I would have hoped it would have been me, but we're not there. I cover the Washington football team. Excited to do it. Excited to keep talking about them here with you guys on this podcast. And we'll talk about the Wizards. In fact, I don't know what they're doing. Fred's podcast is... He's not doing the podcast anymore. I don't know what's going to happen beyond that. So maybe there's some opportunity to talk about it more here. But, you know, there's only so much I can do. And I do want to keep focusing on the on the football team. Um, you know, I don't know if there's a way to make it worth everybody's while to do it. Maybe there's a way to have a weekly segment. But, you know, I'm not promising anything. And we'll just have to see how that goes. So I feel like I just rambled big time there. Other than just to say that, you know, um, it's just funny how life works sometimes, right? I, I would have absolutely taken that job if given the opportunity um you know back in 2018 or whenever that was um but that wasn't there and now that hypothetically the opportunity exists now i don't i'm not interested <laughs> so <laughs> life is funny that way but um what are you gonna do um in any event brandon bean uh Buffalo Bills GM I I had the chance to speak with him back in January when Washington at that point was bringing on Marty Herney to be what we thought was the general manager of the team obviously he subsequently um he's in the front office Marty Herney but they then brought in Martin Mayhew to hold that um to hold that title and um at that moment like it was like who can we talk to about this group here and one person that made sense was Brandon Bean because they all had worked together in Carolina Bean was um, under Marty Herney and effective I guess under Ron Rivera with the Panthers he then obviously went to Buffalo where they were at that point they were in the the playoffs at at that moment um, working towards um, you know getting to the AFC championship game what they did and um, you know Buffalo is you know that they he has done a great job building up that team Um, this interview uh, so this was done back in January, and it's a, you know it's a, just I guess a little bit get a feel for you know for Ron Rivera and Martin uh, and Martin uh, Marty Herney, uh, but also just sort of the connections between between them all. Obviously, some of it is a little bit um, doesn't work as well because, like I said, they did bring in Martin Mayhew, and also apologies for the sound. I was still trying to figure some things out. My audio is terrible, so apologies for that. But let's get to that. If if there is um. Something else to discuss with Ron Rivera today, I will tack it on to the end of this. Um, but otherwise, here's my conversation back in January with Brandon Bean on what Washington is doing here under a guy he used to work with in Carolina, Ron Rivera. All right, uh, I've got a, a, a special guest with us here today, somebody who intimately knows the, the, the men in charge now uh, with the Washington football team, both Ron Rivera and Marty Herney. He is Brandon Bean. General Manager of the Buffalo Bills, who's kind enough to take time away from what is an incredibly busy time for him with his team in the uh, AFC Championship game. Brandon, uh, first and foremost, thanks for uh, thanks for your time.
1: You got it, Ben. Uh, anytime. Uh, call about those guys; they're uh, they're great men. First of all, they're they're very good at their jobs, but uh, always glad to talk about them.
0: Um, so yeah, I mean it's it, it's fascinating to 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 get a, a better sense of the situation from somebody who does what you do, but also because you do know them, you were with in Carolina, um, and 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 I guess my sense is that Marty Ernie really kind of got got things going for you in in your career. What what can you kind of tell us about how you kind of got started with Marty and and what kind of uh what kind of a of a person he is even beyond the, the executive aspect?
1: Yeah, so yeah, Marty gave me my start in the league back in. Um, 1999. I started in '98, but uh, he hired me in '99, and and just as kind of a, football, a young football operations type pl- guy, and uh, exposed me to you know budgets, um, the cap, um, you know player personnel, um, just just the whole shebang. And um, you know, and as I grew, he increased responsibilities, and I became the director of football ops. And then, you know, unfortunately, Marty was was let go. Uh, the first time in carolina and um he had recommended me to the owner to be the interim gm so um i wouldn't be in this seat uh without marty herney and he's just um he's a great communicator um he's a ceo which is what you need you know a lot of times people are always looking for this personnel guru find you know marty's just a hard worker but um he's a consensus builder he's not going to go in there and just say it's my way or the highway uh, he, he empowers his people, uh, and, and he lets you, he's, he's not a micromanager or anything like that. He's going to assign you a job and let you do it. And he's going to let you, um, you know, say what you think at the end of the day, he knows when he's in charge, it's, he's got to make the ultimate decision, but, um, he's just such a great communicator with people and, um, you're not going to find a better person, uh, to the core, you know, than, than Marty Herney, other than maybe Ron Rivera. Those, those are two of the best. <laughs>
0: You know, it, it's interesting to see the band get back together, as it were. Last year, we saw Ron Rivera bring in so many people um, from his Carolina days, a lot of the coaching staff, but also the training staff and elsewhere at the organization. And, you know, kind of from even even before Marty Herney was let go by Carolina this time, we all kind of wondered, could that reunion happen again? What, what, what can you kind of tell us about that relationship between Ron Rivera and Marty Herney? Uh, obviously, there's the, the they work together, but that doesn't always mean you want to stay together as people clearly – they, they, there's some connection there. What, what can you sort of tell us about their dynamic and kind of how they have worked together over the years?
1: Yeah, they're, they're both selfless and um, they work hard and they, they respect each other and um, they're not afraid to disagree, which I think is, is big, you know, you know, I'm fortunate to have that relationship with Sean McDermott up here. I think if, uh, if one, you know, the head coach is afraid to disagree with the GM or vice versa, I think that's unhealthy. And I think Ron and Marty have a great relationship where they can can dig in and go at it uh, and still come out friends because they're they're doing what's best for the organization. And, and um, that's what, you know, Dan Snyder has in, in these two gentlemen going forward. Um,
0: I, as you said that Marty Herney kind of helped you get, get get your start, You you guys are obviously in a great position right now. With with the bills, uh, you know, uh, and best of luck uh, this weekend. Let me just make sure to say that as well. But is there something that in your journey there, as you've helped to get things uh, going in a better direction with the bills, that you can kind of look back on your days with Carolina, that whether with from from Marty Herney or maybe Ron Rivera or both, that you sort of kind of take away that kind of helped you, um, kind of kind of get things turned around in Buffalo?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, being honest with people, being straightforward, you know. Um, obviously, it's a people business. You got to have talented players, talented coaches. There's no doubt um, if you don't. but it's it's about having straightforward, honest conversations, treating people the right way. And even, you know, in the face of of bad news, you know Marty Herney to, you know, release Jake DeLone, which was a very uh, tough decision at that time. I'll never forget. he He got on an airplane and flew to Chicago to meet. Uh, with his agent face-to-face in person. Um, I know Marty has had to let a scout go, and he flew to, you know, a couple scouts go, and he flew to one's hometown, let him go, and then drove to the other one like four or five hours away. Like, he's not going to do it on the phone, and he wasn't able to get him in person. Just that's the type of person that he is, and Ron is the same way. They're just, um, you know, Ron is a player's coach, and you guys have been around him a year um, he can have the tough conversation. He knows when to be stern. Um, both men can have fun, though. They can they can laugh. They can have a good time. Uh, they pick on each other a lot, which is which is fun to be around. And and I think the you know the Washington players and 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 the media will will enjoy that as they get to know them uh, you know as a pairing.
0: Um, I, I uh, p- part of Washington's new announcements today involved Martin Mayhew, not part of the Carolina contingent. Uh, or, or, or something of a rarity here now with Ron Rivera. Um, I, I, I wasn't asking, talking to you about him per se, but you've obviously been around the league as he, what's your sense of him and how do you think it kind of works when you have two former general managers kind of coming together in a front office to join a coach who kind of is still kind of above the whole situation?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think uh, Martin, I, I, you know, I've known Martin for a number of years. Uh, you want to talk about uh, just first class um, humble guy, like, you know, some people, Ben, they get in, in a higher seat, a head coach, a GM president, and maybe they're harder to get a hold of or, the, or they don't have time for you. Uh, anytime I saw Martin at a game or on the road or a league meeting or whatever, uh, he, you know, when he was in a GM seat and I was in a lesser position, he always took time to shake my hand, say hello. And, and we've exchanged text over the years. He's, he's supported me once I got here and, and accomplishments that we've had here is – um, as he's kind of refound his journey after it, it you know, it, it didn't end the way he wanted in Detroit, uh, but he's worked his way back up. And uh, you knew it was only a matter of time before Martin Mayhew was back in, in, in a GM chair. And, and while it, you know, okay, I got two former GMs coming in. How is that going to work? Um, it goes back to what I said earlier. Marty Herney is, is the most selfless person, you know, that that you'll ever find. And, and I, while I've never worked with Martin, That's what I've heard about him. He's a team first guy. He's not looking for all the credit. And so I think, you know, Ron and and Mr. Schneider have brought two guys that are, that are going to help the culture and they're, they're good football men. They understand how to build a team, how to do the salary cap, uh, what type of players that Ron is going to want for his schemes on, you know, on offense, defense, and special teams. So uh, Martin is is a plus. I got, I got only positives about him.
0: Um, You were with uh the, Marty and Ron in 2011, I believe, when Carolina drafted Cam Newton and therefore kind of saw the process leading into that. Obviously, Cam Newton, I don't remember exactly he was the flat out number one pick, but, you know, based on where he was coming out of college and all that. Um, Did you learn anything from that process, that evaluation process that both helped you? In terms of like later studying Josh Allen and making that call, and obviously that worked out. And what would you, what do you kind of in general? What did you kind of learn about the quarterback evaluation from being with around Marty Herney and Ron Rivera?
1: You know, I think just um, they they took their time. They you know there was no rush decision. It was you know some people want to go ahead and make up their mind. You know I think they took they did a great job of of considering all the facts. You know, Cam had some things coming out of who this guy was. Is he an icon, entertainer, all that stuff. And um, they did a great job of bringing Cam up, going down to Atlanta, going down to Auburn, like just seeing him in different settings, talking to teammates, talking to coaches, talking to people at Florida, what went wrong there, just really turning over every stone. Because this is – you if you're drafting somebody number one or in the, you know, the first round, you're drafting hopefully what is – you know the franchise quarterback or the the future face of the team, and so you got to make sure you know everything about this person that you can and and that's what I learned S- separate of you know grading his pocket poise and uh, his accuracy and all that stuff. a lot of people can do that, but what it takes to play quarterback is so much more than just you know standing back there throwing the ball and and that's what I took from from our uh, our study on Cam Newton to him being the, you know, the first overall selection.
0: Gotcha. Well, well, Brandon, look, I could ask you a hundred other questions, but I really appreciate your time. I know you've got things to do. You've got a busy, a busy weekend ahead. And I best of luck again on there. I, I, I guess it's conceivable. I don't know what you could say, but like it's possible with if there's a 17th game that Washington and Buffalo might meet up, which would mean this whole Buffalo, this whole former Carolina contingent, maybe, uh, maybe head to head. That would be kind of uh, kind of exciting, I would guess for, for everybody involved.
1: That'd be great as long as we win. That's all I care about. You, you never want to lose to those guys.
0: <laughs> uh, un- understandable. We'll bring it again. Best of luck this weekend, and I really appreciate your time, and uh ho- ho- hope we can talk again.
1: Sounds good, Ben. Nice talking to you. you See you,
0: Ben. All right. That's it for this episode of the standard room only podcast. I really appreciate everybody checking out the podcast. A little bit of a rambler here. Like I said, it's been a, it's been one of those weeks for me. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting through it, but I appreciate everybody's patience and checking, checking in and seeing what's going on. And we'll be back, uh, for more, uh, fun next week. The, um, and, uh, you you've got um what do you got oh they got they got a game on sunday uh, i'll be at that game like i said and then we move on to the atlanta week week four where we'll see if curtis samuel's back that'll be interesting for sure but that's it for now ben standix signing off until next time see ya